0: back uh, you've got the egg Ag watchers again and we've got a very special guest on today Andrew. It, i was going to say it's um beef cattle royalty actually six generations of um of the beef cattle sector but more, more importantly i guess it's uh, a representative of our, our parliament that's joined us uh, federal parliament so it's, uh, it's the senator from queensland susan mcdonald on to have a chat with us thanks for coming susan thanks for making the time to see us yeah, good
1: morning, Matt and Andrew. It is terrific to uh, to be here with you.
0: Excellent. We're going to start off, we do this thing, Susan, um, before, I mean, obviously a lot of people listening to this podcast would know who you are, and if they don't, there's something wrong with them. Um, so we don't have to go into too much detail about who you are, but uh, we do a little word association uh, game we call the sixth sense, so we're just going to fire off uh, six phrases, uh, words to you, and you just have to let us know the first thing that comes to mind. It could be either a word or a phrase. Andrew, do you want
2: to kick us off? Fake meat.
1: Delicious. Oh, you said fake meat! <laughs> this is terrible. <laughs> I thought you said pig meat. And I was thinking that's weird. I've not heard it called that before.
2: I was I was about to say, well, this is this conversation is going to be a lot more interesting <laughs> than we thought it was.
1: <laughs> it's going to be really short. Fake meat. It's 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 not natural. It's not real.
0: I sure like it. Um, net zero.
1: Interesting. Long conversation. Yeah.
0: Black
2: pudding.
1: Mm, dangerous.
0: Crocs. You know Crocs. Those you wear.
1: <laughs> Fashion disaster. <laughs> I
0: have to clarify because. Time where I said crops and someone said northern territory. So I don't <laughs> give away your base, Susan. I thought I better clarify,
1: Andrew. Beef. It's the beginning and the end and the middle and all good things in between. It's delicious, it's natural, and it's what my family's done for generations.
0: Regenerative farming.
1: Regenerative farming. Um, I think of cow horns and the moon at night oh. and <laughs> other, oh, yeah. other interesting things.
0: Very good. All right. Well, we'll boot off now. Um, obviously, Andrew started there with the term fake meat, and we know that you're in the process at the moment, Susan, of, um, of looking into that around labelling. Do you want to give listeners a bit of a background as to what you're doing at with regards to, to this inquiry?
1: Yeah, so a couple of years ago, 2016, um, Sanitarium put in an application to fosans which is the, the Food Standards Authority for Australia and New Zealand, all the states sign up for it. And they put through uh, a change to, to definitions, to words that can be used when you describe food, and primarily they were targeting milk. So that's where we started seeing almond milk and, uh, you know, Other sorts of soy milk, things to describe what we would traditionally know to be dairy products. But what we were asleep at the wheel and didn't notice was that it also allowed for meat products. So people started raising this with me. I was in the supermarket, I bought a product, I took it home, I cooked it, it wasn't what I thought it was, and I checked the package more carefully. You know, it had a picture of a chook, it said chicken. Uh, wild meaty chunks and but it's not it's it's not chicken it's got no relationship to chicken they didn't they didn't take it back to the supermarket they didn't report it to the a c they just quietly went i feel ripped off and i feel lied to and and so th- this started to get momentum more people were raising it uh at beef last year uh it was a topic on a lot of people's lips and, uh, and I thought, hmm, if only I knew somebody who was in a position to do a Senate inquiry into this and really get to the bottom of it. And I went, oh, I do.
2: But, but there is there is a lot of excuses used. Like I, I, A lot of people say, oh, it's it's obvious. It's obvious. You look at the package and it's obvious that it's fake, mate. Mm. But I guess if you picture the scene, you know, you, you've just worked a, a full day, you know, in an office or whatever, you've got, and this is probably a scene that I've had a, numerous times, you've got a five-year-old shouting at you that I want, I want, I want, you know, cupcakes, yep. cupcakes, cupcakes. And you want to get around Coles or Willys or IGA as quick as possible. And, mm. and so so you pick up the one that has nice labeling. And let's be honest, if you actually look at fake meat, the, the cartons and the marketing, it looks mm. quite good. The actual... It's,
1: it's the, fantastic. The, the yeah. visuals.
2: And... and mm. I know that one of our, one of our listeners, just the one, uh, Chris Chris Hoiberg, doesn't like tangents. Uh, but one of the uh, a couple of months ago, my my wife, and she's not stupid; she's a doctor, so she's fairly well qualified. Well, she's we married were, to you though. She's she married to me though. <laughs> so she's she's not. I'm not. I'm not saying anything about judgment, but but she she picked up uh, pork mince or no beef? Was it pork mince? One of the two. It was it was beefmans, but it said bull free oh, meat, good. and yeah. and so she just picked up because it was the only one there, and she thought it was bull free. Does that? She's not a farmer. She just thought does mm. that mean it just doesn't have the male male carol in it? It's just it's just that's from right. cows.
1: Yeah.
2: And and then it wasn't until I said to her, "Well, a it's bloody expensive. It's twice the price, yeah. and it's and it's no, it's it's fake meat. But it, so yeah. if you're in a rush, you're not
1: going to find it." No, and you've just touched on a whole heap of issues about why this is misleading to customers. When I did um, commerce a million years ago, and I remember when we did marketing, one of the discussions we had was about uh, marketing disasters and, and they talked about Rosella tomato sauce. Now, Rosella tomato sauce was something I grew up with, you know, the big glass bottle of tomato sauce with the parrot on the front, and they launched in South America, put it on the shelves. Nobody bought it because if English is not your first language, are you going to buy parrot blood? Is that really what you You know, it just didn't translate. And and I know because I ran butcher shops for six years, um, people shop with their eyes so exactly as you describe you're busy you've potentially got some kids with you you just want to get home you've you know what what's for dinner tonight and so you're looking to pick up something that's fit for purpose that you know that's going to do the job uh, and then bull free I mean you know as as pig producers you know that there's there's some there's some male um, animal issues for some people god new zealand butchers don't get me started on i can smell it i can smell <laughs> it you can't smell it You anyway but you know that is the thing that that some people would go oh yes that makes sense too so they've kind of ticked all these boxes about why the the busy uh time poor customer who has been trained over you know so long to to know that if you're particularly if you're in the meat section you're buying meat and you're buying uh something that's got all these um uh values and qualities and attributes that you don't even think about now because you know you're in the meat section you're buying mints it's for dinner for your family uh, and that's the product you're buying but uh, it's uh, an- really interesting to to hear your wife talk about it because as a doctor she would have some other views, some nutritional views, some other qualities that we, we might touch on next. Well, yeah.
2: she, well, she, We'll, she, I'll, we'll touch on it later. But her, her main point was, well, my wife is very much one of those people who, when we when we order fish and chips, we have to wait for ages because it has to be without any salt. And mm-hmm. so, so she's very. And and Australians have a lot of salt in their food. We that's do. one. That's one thing I noticed when we first moved to Australia. I said, ordered fish and chips, and then the person put salt on it. I was thinking, when's he going to stop? <laughs>
0: we're, now, we're now taking dietary advice from a Scotsman. <laughs> the, the country that deep fries Mars bars and, and uh, has a munchy box full of deep fried food.
1: And has black puddings, for God's sake. Really? We got to. Well,
2: this is a thing. People, people always make fun of black pudding, yeah? But that is, that is my contribution to global warming because I'm not letting any part of the animal go to waste. Ah, yes,
1: so, so very that, good. So
2: that, uh, they, were going to, they had, had been invited to go to Glasgow to do a presentation on, on offal to, to the COP26, but I, I couldn't make it, unfortunately. You're busy. You're was, flat was, out. It's too busy. So.
0: But, but the point you make, though, with the use of the pictures, is one of the things, Susan, that always astounds me, because the, the product itself is plant-based kind of fake product that, that they're calling, trying to call meat. I don't. You know, I'm not quite sure what market they're trying to target with putting a picture of the animal that's meant to be replicating or, or, or trying to be like. You know, it, it, if you're a meat eater, you're not going to necessarily gravitate towards. I and mean, Andrew and I tried one of them. What was it? The, the Beyond Burger, I think it was when it first came out. Yeah, it we, wasn't did a, bad. We, did a, we did a trial against you know real burger versus the Beyond one just to see how close is this to the real product. But that's the only time I've ever had it and, and, you know, I, if I'm going to eat a meat product, I'll have a meat product and there are times where we'll eat at home, we'll have a, a vegetarian meal every now and then, but you know, which is fine, part of a balanced diet. But, but you know, as, a, as an omnivore, I'm going to eat both. But the people that this is, in my mind, is targeting, your vegetarian and vegan types, um, why would they be wanting to buy a product with, you know, the picture of the animal on it anyway, other than just trying to leverage off the, Good reputation of the meat industry, you know, is yeah. is, is that the way you kind of perceive it yourself,
1: or? Yeah, it's a really good point. And so I asked this in one of the earlier sessions of the uh, the meat inquiry, and I said to them, why Why would you want to have the picture of an animal? You you've chosen not to eat animals. And they said, Well, we're trying to describe this this new product, how you would use it. So um, chicken strips, that's that's to use in a stir fry. And a beef steak, you're going to cook it on the barbecue. Okay, I get that. They're trying to to um, help help people transition. You know, transition's always code for something you actually don't want to do for me. But they're going to help people transition to eating non meat, uh, yeah, animal uh, protein based food to plant based. I mean, I'm starting to see uh, complaints now from vegans and and vegetarians who bought animal products in error because all the products are mixed up. And that will certainly be one of the recommendations I think we should be making is that the supermarket shouldn't be putting the products together. They're, They're not the same. And, and whether it is, you know, salt, Andrew, you touched on on um, salt in Australian food. I mean, there is, if you look at ingredients, uh, and there's plenty of websites that will help you find the healthiest plant-based protein food because, you know, do you have a gluten intolerance? You know, you probably better watch out and read the label more carefully. If you're worried about salt in your diet, um, what are the additives? I mean, you know, I've got i got blood pressure. I take the, the weirdest little tablet and it changes my life, and I think, gosh, so we're putting the weirdest little amount of ingredients in something like plant-based proteins. You know, it doesn't need to be a lot to change your health and the way your body interacts, and, and, you know, we as an, an animal, the human animal, has spent, you know, hundreds of thousands of years evolving based on eating food that is in the closest to its natural form as possible, I think. And that's the other weird thing. You know, we live in a world where, you know, we do. We think about what we eat. We think about what we eat more than more than we used to, which is terrific. Um, we think about where it's come from. We talk about paddock to, to plate. We talk about food miles and, you know, a whole lot of things. We want to know raising claims that, you know, animals are happy and... and um, meat quality, all of those things, and yet we think that we're going to substitute it with a food that is about as far apart from a, a natural um, grown product as you can possibly imagine. And and so when I was thinking about talking to you, I um, I was looking at an article that uh, I thought really summed it up for me. Um and I read it. It was about two years ago, and the title of the article: "What if fighting climate change is as easy as giving up meat?" And and this guy goes on to talk about, you know, the the global emissions from meat and and why uh, why it's going to be healthier for him for the planet to eat less animal protein. You know, there is so many unspoken assumptions. In, in just that beginning part that us as, as farmers and graziers in this country and around the world have have let this momentum build. And, that, and-,
2: and that's sort of, in, there's a lot of people working through those numbers at the moment on the impact of, of meat on, on the environment, but it seems to me that to say that you can save the world by stopping eating meat is just absolute nonsense on stilts. Like well, a- the,
0: the misinformation around that um, that whole narrative of, of livestock, and, and in particular the beef sector, is one that gets targeted a lot as as one of the livestock you know components that's causing all the, mm-hmm. these so called emissions. But like I'm on forever online. There's a there's a really good graphic that I think is from the, our, our world in data group, um, mm-hmm. and they've got one that, that that sections off all the emissions across all the industries. Globally, and livestock and manure combined, I think the emissions are 5.8% of of all emissions, greenhouse gas emissions, um, whereas something like transports, you know, 16 point something percent. You know, um, so there's, there's bigger areas to focus in on. And I actually think the livestock side, when you start to look at things like the regenerative things, so not so much the the the, the buried <laughs> cow horns, but the more traditional, the, the more kind of, I guess, um, I was going to say traditional um, regenerative, the more, um, not, the, not the kooky stuff, the, the stuff that actually does have some science behind it, um I think that the livestock sector is actually part of the solution when it comes to carbon capture and particularly that grazing type management. Well, if,
2: if you if you look at the that that well, Queensland and Northern Territory and all that yeah. rangeland sort of that is all regenerative agriculture anyway. It just it is. They just haven't sold the buzzword. Yeah. You
1: know, if- so so what a point well made and so I was part of of you know the government saying yes we're going to sign up to these emissions targets Um, For 2050. Now, I did it because I know that agriculture, you know, particularly the beef industry, but all of our export markets, we rely on access to the EU and the US and, you know, for these premium markets. And I was a kid when the when um, the UK went into the EU, the beef, the beef slump, you know, it wiped people out and and for a generation. Uh, so I'm really conscious of well, how do we take the, the exceptional work that agriculture is doing? Uh, meat processes, putting in biodigesters, you know, they will go from emitters to sequesters. You know, regardless of your views on climate change, Australia is batting well above its weight on innovation and change. And I feel really confident that we can do this in a way that is recognizes Australia's unique. Uh, climate conditions and and huge rangelands and you know we are we are excellent at this stuff and and transport you know an important part of our industry uh, they're they're all over this with you know the sort of engines they're using the fuel they're using um, you know structure of trailers and trucks and you know we'll we'll be all over this I, I don't I'm not scared of it but what I am terrified about is um, I don't know if you remember, there was you know, a children's fable and it's about the emperor and he comes out and he's going, look at my fabulous fine clothes, and not yeah. I look marvellous? And, and finally one of the kids goes, but he's not wearing any clothes, you know. And I worry that in our rush to solve emissions, we will stop growing food. Like there is nothing more important as humans to do, nothing that people should be prouder to do, than to grow food. And and, and, and that, yeah. that's one of
2: the concerns that we've I've sort of raised in, in recent times as well, uh, is, is the fact of the matter is that, okay, climate change is real. And, and in my view, like I'll just take the scientists mm-hmm. view on that. I'm not yeah. a climate scientist, uh, but, but the reality is there's a lot of calls. We've got to turn off the coal power stations tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the reality is at the moment, we obviously use fertilizer for all of our crops and mm-hmm. the fertilizer price has gone up by three times in nine months because the price of coal's risen yeah. and and the price of gas, if we were to turn off the coal power stations, then our fertilizer price would be 10 times higher, yeah. which would mean our, our price of wheat and price of bread would be through the roof. And I, and I was sort of talking to a relation last night back home and saying, well, we've got to do things. He was a younger fellow. He's um, yeah. I'm late millennial. He's younger millennial. And I uh, sort of said to him, well, you can turn off everything, but the reality is that you have to sort of do it in a measured and controlled yes. approach because yes. okay you can you can make sure that we've got a world to live in in 100 years time but we've actually got to live in that world and survive and be able to afford things for the next 10 15 20 years yeah so but going, going back to food labeling yeah just mm. we, uh, we can go back to sort of i think environmentalism will come up later but isn't it disingenuous to an extent the fact that we have things like uh we can't we're allowed to have you know, beef on, on fake meat. We're allowed to have, you know, pork on fake pork and yada yada yada. And fake scallops, I saw the other day. Mm. Um, but then we've got these issues around labelling for like the export and import market. You know, we can't have Greek feta. We can't have champagne. We can't have mm-hmm. Irish black pudding mm-hmm. or Scottish black mm-hmm. pudding, you know, mm-hmm. and but so we've got to rename those because of those, I can't remember what they're called, geographic something or others yes and um, yes but we don't have that same protection for a product that has been around for millennia
1: yeah and interestingly this is a domestic problem so when we go to export our products um, in order to export meat it has is very clear export definitions it has to be the product of a carcass of an animal you know no if no buts no maybes that's it and so that we've we've now got this crazy situation where um, we've got a, a product that has absolutely no relationship at all to the words that's been used on the front. And and you know a lot of the the activists tried to say that I wanted to stop them saying sausage or mince or patty or you know burger. Well, that's obviously ridiculous. You know you mince garlic and you can have a you know, it, I, I, I'm not trying to stop people using descriptors, but it's not it's not beef, it's not pork, it's not chicken. These are well described, understood terms, and if if communications is an important part of what we do as humans, you know, it's would, it's would, kind of crazy.
2: Would it be a good result for the beef industry if if they were allowed to use the term beef?
1: Well, it would be a disaster.
2: But would it, it be would, a, would it be a good result if you if they were allowed to use beef or pork but they had to preface it with they always had to say unnatural beef or unnatural <laughs> yeah. pork and because then, uh, then that's what it is it's you know it's 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 unnatural beef so that is yeah. a natural descriptor for it and
1: so the, uh, uh, a friend of mine went to uh, the Broncos um Leagues Club in Brisbane the other day and she ordered <laughs> she ordered plant based chicken. She went, oh, haven't heard that description before, but it's it must be a grain or you yeah, know, like, like a Like, corn like, like a corn <laughs>
0: fed <like a> <laughs> chicken. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly.
1: Yeah. So plant based chicken. She ordered it, wasn't what she expected, wasn't what she wanted. She said to the to the you know staff there, what's this? And they said, Well it's, it's made from plants she went oh so the risk for chicken producers and pork producers and beef producers is uh, not the premium end i don't think because there's so much premium attached with you know your pork grown from your region maybe with a brand on it but you know you, you put a lot of work into uh, producing to a standard that then you sell what I'm more worried about is exactly like your wife bought, Andrew, mids. And uh, I, I was talking to a, a friend who went to a restaurant in the Blue Mountains and at the end of lunch the staff, and this was a big big agricultural group, and at the end the staff came out and they said, how was lunch? And they said, oh, it was terrific. How was the spaghetti bolognese? It was amazing. What about the lasagna? Gosh, best I've ever had, you know, whatever. This went on for a while. And then they said it was all plant-based protein. There was no animal-based meat in there. Now, in order to make money, which is what we want, when when farmers and graziers make money, they reinvest. They reinvest in their equipment and their animal welfare and, and paying better wages to their staff and maybe even paying themselves, you know, if they're really, really lucky. Yep. But But... Uh, profitable businesses is something that we should should encourage and applaud. If you start taking out the secondary cuts and the, 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 the mints, the grinder products, there is no money to be made. And so that's the bit that I really worry about. And, I mean, you, you talked about fish and chips at the beginning. I mean, the fish industry is desperate that if you go to a fish and chip shop, the same as if you go to a, a fishmonger that they will say that this is flathead, this is Spanish mackerel, this is you know flake, whatever. But when you go to a fish and chip shop, that that falls off. And and so when I was running butcher shops, that was something we made a big effort about. That that once you went to a steak, you could buy a whole you know Cape Grim um, cut yeah. of beef. But when it went when it was sliced, then you'd lose that that connection. And so we made a big effort of making sure that you knew what you're eating. But anyway, so. The meat okay. stuff, that's critical. Get that okay. wrong. That's exactly want what, that you, you
2: must have listened to one of our previous podcasts, Susan, because Matt and I had discussed that previously and that Matt mentioned earlier on that we tried the Beyond Burger. Yeah. And, and if I'm completely honest, it was quite good. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't as good as the, the real beef. It clearly wasn't. Hmm. And it was also more expensive. It was $4 more expensive. And as a Scotsman, that means a lot, you know, sure. you know, the dollars are what, what counts. And but but when you look at it from a point of view of, you know, technological improvement, you, you you find that obviously that will get cheaper and cheaper. And if it was cheaper than real beef, you know, and if it was, say, you know, those cheapo burgers from a chain store that, you know, probably largely sawdust anyway. Uh, I it is a big risk for the things like 90 CL, mm. which is, you know. Like Matt and I have been saying before, it's a big part of the beef price. And you've just commented yeah. there and you're experienced in that sort of field. But I guess one of the the good signs is that I always look back to economics as being the sort of the driving force of things. And like Matt, we, we were looking at last week, the uh, the Beyond Meat share price,
0: <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> which, which clearly has, uh, you know, it was an IPO that went out and it was, you know, hugely valuable company and it's and it's back to where it initially listed that because they're having terrible sales
0: well, they're making money and, not, and if, if it's uh, you know the COVID experience when there was a rush on proper meat real meat um all of that all of that kind of fake meat product a lot of the times i'm seeing images of just you know left on, on the shelf. shelves, you know, all, yeah, all they're left on the shelves it's not the uptake isn't what they're claiming it is and that's because i think the product is not the right thing well one, people one thing people, me-
2: people try it once
1: Mm. Well, my, yeah, my,
2: I mean, my like again, I, my wife will hate this, but she doesn't listen to podcasts there anyway, because she says it's cringeworthy. But <laughs> the uh, the uh, she doesn't like hearing my voice because uh, she says I sound too too Australian now. Uh, oh. But the uh, but she tried the fake meat burger about the week after we tried it, Matt, and oh. and and she tried it and and she just didn't like it. She just thought it was too it was almost too flavoursome. In a way was how she described yeah. it like it was yeah. almost like eating a bag of beef ch- crisps or chips yeah. or chicken crisps mm-hmm. chicken crisps are more chickeny than chicken yes Yes. <laughs> because they've got a the flavor in but, but but going back to it, you actually you made a really good point and i hadn't really thought about it as much and and i'm no communist yeah i'm, I'm a sort of economist and a capitalist but mm-hmm. i do get concerned with the likes of jeff bezos and elon musk we look up to these people who you know, have huge amounts of wealth. And you look at Amazon, huge number of companies under them. And that's the risk you have with fake meat as well is that, you know, you're going to have a couple of companies, which, you know, Beyond Meat Ultimate Burgers or whatever they're called, mm-hmm. V2 Food, who then basically you have a really, cons- we, we always get considered about a consolidated supply chain, but in that is ultra consolidated. Mm-hmm. You don't have small scale mum and dad butchers or anything you have, a big factory with a mincing machine in the U.S. Mm. somewhere that pumps it out and, and sends it yeah. over.
1: That That is a really great point because can you imagine if we lost our farmers out of our regional communities? Yeah. You know, who That's goes true. to the schools? Who's teaching in the schools? Who's, you know, the, the communities would be gutted. And I, I think that there's, again, we talked at the beginning about the assumptions around um, you know, about plant-based proteins versus animal-based proteins, there's this assumption that that all of these animal farmers are just going to convert. They're going to convert to growing broad-scale crops and, you know, everybody will still be happy. And, you know, much of Australia is not suitable for cropping. You know, it's suitable for low-intensive animal production, um, but, but even, you know, in your part of the world where you can grow, uh, grow pigs or, or, you know, you can feed lot cattle uh, in smaller areas, you know, that's also not suitable to, to growing your crop for a whole lot of reasons. So I just think we've got to be really careful that we don't let people um, continue to uh, understand these assumptions that plant-based is better for your body. Um, we'll be doing some nutritionists in the next round of, of uh, the inquiry hearings and I'll, I'll be fascinated if they can convince me that having something that's been pressurised, heated, flavours added, um, you know, and, and then poked and prodded into a shape that looks like uh, an animal product, that that is going to be um, a good, good idea for my body and, and for my kids and um, so, so the nutritional aspect and then this this sustainability aspect. I mean, the, the work that's been done by the CSIRO on uh, asparagopsis, on methane reduction and increased profitability and productivity, you know, with that conversion of the digestive system is really exciting. Mm-hmm. And instead of us slamming farming and agriculture, we should be saying we we know you guys have got this. You have to adapt You've got wildly fluctuating market conditions, environmental conditions, um, consumer fads about what they're eating. You've got this, you know, um, and instead we're, we're going to run to a solution that I think is, is really dangerous.
0: That's a good point. I mean, I'd say often, you know, on social media to, you know, going back to that emissions um, narrative, that I perceive the red meat sector... And particularly in Australia, with the carbon neutral goal of 2030 from MLA, um, that we're part of the solution to uh, yes. emissions, not not part of the problem. And particularly some of those practices. Yeah, you know, and if you contrast what where that's heading to, the, I'd like to see the both the nutritional aspects um, of, of the fake product and also the environmental uh, and the biodiversity aspect of, like, if you look at a a rangeland kind of cattle or sheep grazing environment, there's a lot more biodiversity in that mix uh, than what you see even in, in the broad scale cropping, Andrew.
2: Oh, you're going to get in trouble with half of this. <laughs> but, 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 but you are right as well in, in terms of, let's say, for instance, you were to, you know, if, if we were to follow, you know, the, the, the young millennial advice, the, the really young, probably even gen alpha, or whatever they're called, you'd mm. get rid of meat tomorrow, you get rid of coal tomorrow, but, but the reality is that if you got rid of meat, you've actually got like in Australia is a probably a, a primary example. Those areas, if you look at, you know, rangeland sort of area, mm. it's not really suitable for anything else mm. at all. True. Really, like it's mm. it's not, it doesn't have the capacity to do anything else. So these farmers mm. are actually managing that land Yes. Uh, to, to, to ensure that it doesn't, you know, burn to the ground or, or whatever else. So it is, I, I, like, I think, I think you're right, Matt. I think, and I think you're right as well, Susan, in that we have fantastic opportunity ahead of us. I think there'll be a lot of uncertainty in terms of farmers understanding what they can and can't do, and I think mm. there'll be a lot of red and green tape to come.
1: Well, but- that's that's an important part too, and that's that's my next step after this inquiry is I want to look at well, what is the pathway for farmers being able to trade their own credits. Directly to some woke family in the US who wants to offset their their carbon emissions, you know, and they want to buy it from someone from an Australian farmer doing all these great things. I fought really hard that um, we had uh, uh, soil carbon included in the accounting when, when the Prime Minister went off to Glasgow. You know, that, I think that's a terrifically important part of the, of the solutions. And, um, you know, there's, there's so much exciting stuff. We should not be, not be worried about the farming sector. We're, we are leading the charge on this and we should feel confident that the food that's grown in Australia is grown to higher standards than anywhere else in the world. It is to high nutritional um, uh, levels because, you know, we've got the great environment for it. Uh, it employs a hell of a lot of people in parts of the country that otherwise, um, you know, what would be the activities? Because, as you said, are we going to have little plant-based, you know, factories, you know, dotted across the country. We won't. There'll be a couple of huge ones um, on economies of scale and, uh, and they'll be making, making those products. So, no, look, I feel very confident, but we do need to shift the conversation about what's healthy, what's not, and stop um, stop having this, this assumption that in some way, plant-based proteins is the equivalent. It's, it's not the equivalent in how it's manufactured. It's not the equivalent in its ingredients, and it certainly should not be the the equivalent in the names we call it.
0: That, one, of the, one of the points you made earlier, and probably reference to the brand you had, was it six years you're in the managing director of the butchery side mm. of, the, of the family business? Um, yeah. and, and you reference that, that the use of the term sausage I, and I can't remember now, I spent a couple of years in the UK for my sins as a currency trader years ago and I can't remember now if this was a, a specific thing to the UK or whether it's actually within Australia, but to have a, to have a product called sausage it have a certain amount of meat product in it to be labelled yeah. as sausage. I thought. Is that true? Is that,
2: yeah, is it, that? Because again, I think most of the sausages were merely sawdust anyway.
1: Oh look, this is an outrageous thing to say, Andrew. We're going to have word shortly because in Australia, I can't speak for the you know what happens in in, um, in the UK. Scotland. It
0: could be a beef sausage, but it's made out of
1: horse. A horse, yeah.
0: <laughs> I
2: I, 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 I was I never got I ne- I was talking to people about that when that horse meat scandal came out, and I sort of said like those those burgers were from a, a supermarket called Iceland, and Iceland is like. I don't think we've even got an equivalent in Australia. But you could buy 48 burgers for a pound. Yeah. And, and so my, my sort of view was okay, it's 15% horse meat. I think you should be lucky that you've got any <laughs> for, for 48 burgers for a pound. And um but anyway, that was me. It's a delicacy in France. Canny
1: well, I mean, in France, it's a thing, isn't it? We, we don't think it's a thing in Australia. We don't like eating horse meat. And, and so there is very clear regulations around that. We don't do but, that. But, but
0: getting back to that sausage question, is, that is in Australia that you've got to have a that's, certain that's, minimum
1: threshold, doesn't it? That's exactly right for sausages and pies. If you call it a beef pie, it's got to have that much beef in it. Yeah,
0: uh, yeah you, in, can,
1: you can label something
0: noble, whatever that was, mince. And it's got yeah. no meat product at all, but yeah, you know, I don't, yeah, I don't quite get where that. It seems to me like what's the consumer, Australian consumer, what is it, C should be looking at it and saying it's false labeling, it's false advertising, and.
1: Well, that's exactly right, Matt. We have got such clear rules on you know what a real estate agents can say. You know, if somebody even thinks that they might have been misled by a real estate agent, there is really harsh penalties and clear standards of description for properties. We have a clear understanding um, as Australians. We don't like BS. We don't like being misled. Um, I'm, I'm Hello fresh. The, um, the food places now, they're starting some, you know, they're calling it beef strips, but it's not. It's plant-based protein. You know imagine if that turns up in your in your food box you go oh, yeah it's 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 a beef beef strip because it says so and it's not that is not cool and the bit mm. that I can't you know we will keep having this this inquiry and we'll get to the resolutions but the bit that I'm saying to the minister is on what planet are we living that we think that this is, Okay, it's not okay. We wouldn't accept it if you if you you know the head of Ag Force in Queensland did this great opinion piece and he said imagine going into you know an electronic store and you buy a box and on the front it says um, uh, best iPad you've ever had. Um, you'll never need another iPad and you get home you open it up. it's not an iPad it's a, it's, and it's not even a, an Apple it's a, um, a, an Android phone. So it's not, nothing, nothing like what it was that you thought you were buying. You would have grounds for a, a, a claim because that is patently misleading and wrong. And yet, suddenly, the most important thing we do, the food we put into our body, the food that we put on the, on the table for our families, we're allowing that to be completely bastardised with this marketing it, it, it really beggars belief, and I think, uh, as I've done media across Australia, regardless of whether you, you're you know you're a beef eater or a meat eater or you're a vegetarian or a vegan, Australians seem pretty united. In this is rubbish. Yeah. This is rubbish. You just can't you can't back this in. I,
2: think, so, look, I I do still think, like, going back to the the cropping side, Matt. I still think there is there is still you're a. Benefit get, you're going to get me
0: in trouble again. Now you want me to say something else that. No, but the, but
2: the, but there is obviously like the fake meat thing. I think it it can be complementary to real meat, sure. and I think it is it is an industry for 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 cropping farmers, the pulse industry that we can we can benefit from it. The reality is though, there's still the market for pulses just in general, before you even talk about fake meat, and you actually just talk about you know your traditional lentils and your dal curries and whatnot in a subcontinent is just so huge anyway so I think the pulse market is going to be huge regardless and and I'm a big fan of you know uh, if I go for a curry I tend to go for a vegan curry anyway or a vegetarian at least because I think it tastes better but but just I wanted to ask a few questions on and this might be personal I don't know Uh, we 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 don't we don't get politicians on that often and and I and, and but I speak to politicians quite a lot in our in 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 professional world, I think it's the most terrible job in the world. Like, like I think it's, it's you probably tell me I'm right or wrong. You're under so much scrutiny and you're under so much pressure all, all the time. And what kind of pressure are you under when you're talking about fake meat? Like, surely you must have got some, some hate mail
1: about that. Uh, some cracking stuff some really, really ugly, you know, just and and in some ways the worse it is, the easier it is because you say, well, you don't know me. And that's, you know, um yeah, but but it is extraordinary what people think they can say. And and why people felt threatened. I mean I've been really careful at the beginning of every conversation I have is to say I support farmers. I support grain farmers and beef and plant and, and pork and chicken Yeah, you know, I support our graziers and farmers in every form
2: or even on this podcast as soon as you started you said the fake meat was delicious
1: <laughs> I know <laughs> I know. Oh my god I'll never live that down uh, um it's, it's my age it's my age my hearing you see
0: so i'm not a millennial it's the uh, scottish accent it's for <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, use that excuse.
1: but, but it must be, and
2: this is what i always think it's like a lot of people seem to think it's open slather with politicians in that they're not people and mm. that you can sort of you can say whatever you want to them and you can hurl as men but they wouldn't say something i imagine you've got messages that you mm. wouldn't say to somebody in industry and I think that's the advent of social media and stuff allows people to do that.
1: Yeah, and, I mean, you'd see it too. It's, there is some weird thing that once people get uh, behind a, a screen, it, it seems to strip away their social niceties and, and they'll say uh, things that are, you know, not okay by any stretch of the imaginations. If you heard your kid say it to somebody else, uh, there'd be a consequence because that's just not how we behave. Um, yeah, look, I have to tell you that I, I being a politician um, I don't think would be on the top of, of most people's lists, but I got to an age where I went the industries I, I love, the communities I love, the people I love, they need a voice in the national debate. Um, and, and so, you know, perhaps it's my obligation to, to uh, go and take the fight up uh, in canberra and uh, around the country so that's what i've done but i yeah look it's an interesting job it's a privilege not many people get to do it and um, i get to meet amazing people and do amazing podcasts and but, oh, but which, which,
2: which podcast yeah. were you doing it was amazing <laughs> <laughs> we, should, we, should, we should have a listen to that one see if we can get any tips <laughs>
1: How professional that, we are,
0: how professional <laughs> we are, Andrew. Um, you mentioned, though, before we, we've taken a fair bit of your time, Susan, but before you go, um, the, the timing of the next phase you said about the the assessment with the nutritionist, that is, that, is there a schedule around when we can expect that to roll out or is that kind of soon yes, or... With-
1: We'll have another uh, inquiry on the 18th of November, I'm pretty sure it is, um, and then another one relatively soon after that. We're going to hear from some of the plant-based manufacturers um, who had uh, declined our invitation previously, but now they think they might get involved. Um, and, And, you know, that's great. I want to hear from everybody. I think that there's some other agendas that they won't talk about You know, people who are against animal farming uh, Mm -hmm. who are involved in these industries. And, you know, we'll see if they're open and honest about that. Um, But I I am really keen that what the the point we end up at is that Australian consumers can make a decision based on what they understand and what they're told on the packaging. And uh, as a mother, somebody who had three kids uh, trying to get around the shops, Make sure you're putting food on the table that you think is the best for them. You know, it's got to pass the pub test. And uh, and that's where I want to end up.
2: Well, all I can say is my, my major concern is when they started doing veg- at the, the, some of the images from the COP26 that I've seen mm. has been really quite a cultural faux pas, in my view, mm. of people eating vegan haggis, which is just...
1: It's wrong on it's, so many levels, Andrew. It's like, it's so like going, many It's levels. like going to
2: India and buying a McDonald's beef burger. <laughs> so
1: I haven't seen that, but I'm going to be asking the PM when he gets back. Did well,
2: When you have a chat with, with with Scott, just say to him, you know, did you have a, a can of Iron Brew and did you try a, a black pudding supper or a Munchie Box? I'm I'm assuming that wasn't on the menu at any of the the the, the, the leader dinners, but. If, if it was, if it was truly Scottish, know. it would be.
1: You never know. That's exactly right. But I mean, how crazy is that? That that how cr- now, let's just how crazy is that that we are going to have an international meeting where the Kool Aid is well and truly being slopped around? That people say that we can't eat animal products, something that has sustained and nurtured and brought humans down out of the trees, you know. Hundred thousand years ago, and yet now we're too smart, and I worry that we're so smart we might put ourselves back up in the trees,
2: or or worse. And it's (laughs) look, I think it's like I think like the like overall, I I still think if if we look at it, we we've got to get it fixed now, so that it doesn't become a problem later on. Like obviously the sanitarium decision from a few years ago, Mm -hmm. which I'm pretty sure sanitarium. Don't pay taxes anyway uh, because they're classes of charity, but that's a conversation for another day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, but the reality is that if you get it sorted now, it doesn't become an issue when yeah. fake meat is a big thing. But the reality is that if you if you look at you know, Matt and I have looked at it many of the times, you know the number of uh, number of food eaters out there who are eating meat regularly for, is improve, increasing. So at the end of the day, you know, we do have this huge demand for, for red meat protein, especially good quality Australian protein. Yeah.
1: That for
2: for 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 the near term, it's not an issue, hopefully.
1: No, and and dietary requirements, <clears throat> um, you know, uh, I, I I know that there are people who are horrified who goes, oh, we're setting dietary re- requirements at such a low level. Well. You know, I think that there's, we actually need to bring some people up to that level because we know that the, the nutrition of, of um, you know, well grown animal products is, is an important part of a, of a balanced diet. And, um, and so, yeah, I feel confident that the demand for, for protein, animal based protein, uh, will remain. I suspect prices will increase um, if there's pressure on growing less. Um, and, and what a tragedy that would be if, if uh, animal-based protein was only available to the very rich. Um, you know, that, that would be a tragedy for, for um, humankind and, um, you know, again, drive us back up into the trees if we, if we don't um, make available to everybody the most important resource we have, which is a well-grown nutritious food
2: enjoy it while you can before it's banned oh, oh. So, so that's what I'm paraphrasing from it Susan so we'll, we'll put that as the headline <laughs> no but 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 you are right I think it is a case of you know I like the idea that you know hopefully everything is available to everyone and mm-hmm. and the, and that people can afford you don't need to be eating steak every day mm-hmm. um, but the reality is that if more people can enjoy it and, and, and take the benefit of it, then that's that's fantastic. But we don't really want a world of haves and have nots. You know?
1: exa- and that is why we develop food production systems that allowed that allows people to live in cities and not grow a bean. You know? Well, so I've, they I've, can I've, be supported.
2: Yeah. What what I might do is I might we'll probably come into the end of it. So I will I will read from this book that we mentioned last week's on last week's <laughs> podcast, Matt. <laughs> So just, just you carry on till I find the right page. Well,
0: <laughs> is this the commodity
2: we that uh... Yep. Yep. So this, this is a, a, a statement from Libanius from the sixth century. God did not bestow all products on all parts of the earth, but distributed his gifts over the different regions to the end that men might cultivate a social relationship because one would have the need of the help of another. And in so he called oh. commerce into being that all men might be able to have common enjoyment of the fruits of the earth, no matter where they are produced. So, there, that's it. we are. In a, I'm oh, glad God. we had, I'm glad we had Swift on last week to, speak to when, when, add a bit of culture.
0: Get, well, and then we get, when we get a
1: politician on Andrew, all of a sudden we're incredibly highbrow. <laughs> well, that's the stocks for you, they're deep thinkers. Well, Deep we did
2: things. we didn't invent most things, but that's an episode for another podcast. Uh, but 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 again, what what that comes down to is that what he's basically saying is that allows you to have bananas in Scotland.
1: That's exactly right. Or oh, uh, bananas in Australia. Scotland and and um, Scotch and, whiskey. and but, <laughs> yes, that too, and and beef in the UK in the middle of winter when all the animals are in sheds and you know um oh, there's a thousand examples of how but by, by these these trade routes um and and commerce that we can all share in the prosperity of the earth and uh and I, I think what a great quote you've inspired well
2: me. what we're trying to do though is we're trying to make it you know after, after we had, we had a guest last week very cultured uh, swift and still from Geneva and you know we're trying to add a bit of highbrow nature to it so people don't think we're a bunch of Uncoff people, as uh, as my mother would say.
1: Well, I look forward to getting into your neck of the woods and uh, and you know just lowering it at a tone, maybe having a whiskey or a beer or but yeah. certainly enjoying yeah. it over when you
0: when you front. come and make sure it's in the summer time zone uh, to come down to Ballarat and uh, we'll be able to go for a nice good quality steak. You want it our okay, maybe, maybe. maybe get maybe.
2: Something. Maybe we go out for a burger. We can have a fake meat burger and 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 test it out.
1: We could do a, a, a compare and contrast, absolutely.
2: No worries. Well, okay. thanks for. Oh, well, thanks, thanks for coming along, Susan. We've taken up uh, a lot of your time. Uh, you know, it's uh, really, really sort of pleasant to to speak to somebody who's. Got an actual opinion which is what we're always looking for on on this podcast we i don't think we've had anyone who hasn't been sort of opinionated and and willing to sort of not just read off the uh, the, the, the lines so to speak and uh, yeah. really enjoyable and and added oh, yeah. another another bit extra addition of culture to the podcast
1: <laughs> well i'm delighted and i'll be telling uh, everybody in Cloncurry that um that we are now considered a a cultural high bar, and uh, we'll celebrate that.
2: Yep, yeah, you could you maybe so. put it at the start of the town, you know, <laughs> <laughs> the home of culture in <laughs> Queensland.
1: We'll <laughs> have to take down the hottest place in Australia sign and replace it with the most cultured place in Australia. I'll, I'll get to work on that.
2: On the, Susan MacDonald featured on the hottest podcast in, in Australian Ag <laughs> from Ballarat.
0: <laughs> and, and next time uh, you catch us at Beef Week if you see two red faced, sweaty uh I was gonna say middle aged men, but Andrew would get angry, so I'll say I'm middle aged at least, walking <laughs> around the place looking decidedly uncomfortable. Stop and say good day and um
1: Absolutely
0: have another, have another chat. It was, it was good good catch up. Thanks for thanks for spending the time with us today having a, a good discussion on the uh, red meat space. So I hope the listeners in it um see you when you got nothing on.
2: Ciao for now. <laughs>
0: See you later.